Hi, everyone. Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. Now that troops are set to leave Afghanistan, San Diego locals with ties to the country are worried about their loved ones who have worked for the U.S. military. Immigration reporter Kate Morrissey has more right after the news. Three vaccinated San Diegans won $50,000 each Friday as part of Vax for the Win. The program is meant to encourage people to get COVID-19 vaccines for the chance to win up to $1.5 million. Governor Gavin Newsom announced the winners who were chosen at random from the 21.5 million Californians who have received at least one dose. Names of the winners are not yet known. The next drawing will be June 15th. The man accused of opening fire on a Poway synagogue, killing one person and wounding three others, has signed a conditional plea agreement. The U.S. Attorney General will decide whether to pursue the federal death penalty in the case, according to attorneys on Friday. The terms of the plea were not disclosed. John T. Ernest is indicted on 113 counts. A Marine corporal is under federal investigation for allegedly stealing ammunition and explosives from a Camp Pendleton shooting range. That's according to the Marine Corps and a Naval Criminal Investigative Service report reviewed by the Union Tribune. Seven Marines and one sailor were investigated by NCIS, according to the report. One Marine faces a general court-martial in July, and another Marine's charges were dismissed. All involved are attached to the 1st Reconnaissance Battalion at Camp Pendleton. U.S. troops are set to withdraw from Afghanistan by September or possibly as early as July. That worries many San Diegans who have loved ones in the country that have worked for the U.S. military. They fear their family members are in grave danger and should be evacuated rather than having to wait on visas. More than 300 people who worked as interpreters as well as their family members have been killed in Afghanistan since 2014, according to the group No One Left Behind. UT immigration reporter Kate Morrissey has more. So Kate, you talk to people in the community. You talk to a woman whose brother is in Afghanistan. You know, she's worried for his life as he uh, awaits his special immigrant visa to come here. You also talked to two interpreters who were in that situation and have been resettled in San Diego. Can you tell us a little more about um, their stories and, and, you know, what they're up against? Sure. So the brother-in-law of the, the woman here in San Diego, he... Um, worked with special forces uh, disarming explosives. And um, he was doing that work up until very recently um, when he actually got laid off because of the withdrawal. So he was still doing that work up until this past month um, as he waits for his, his visa. He's towards the end of the process. He just did his um, medical clearance, which is one of the very last steps. Um, when you look at the State Department reports, there's like 14 different steps that they list out that that go through this process of actually getting one of these visas so it's a it's a pretty lengthy process that involves a lot of different agencies and a lot of different moving parts um and so he and his family are you know sort of holding their breath to see if he'll be able to leave afghanistan before the troops leave completely because um he already feels less safe without having his you know his unit that he was working with sort of around him they've already you know, started the withdrawal process. And so, um, you know, with the, the concerns about the Taliban, you know, sort of taking, taking back control and, and concerns about being seen as sort of a traitor by a lot of people in Afghanistan, people who have done the work like, like this man 
um, and many you know, of the interpreters and, and other folks who, who have been crucial support for our troops over in Afghanistan, um, they're in really difficult position, you know, and we've seen just in the, in the picture at large, we've seen, you know, a lot of refugees fleeing Afghanistan because of this war. And now you've got all these folks who are going to be especially targeted because of the work that they did for us, if we don't do something to support them. So without some kind of action, you're looking at potentially, you know, another refugee situation coming out of this, I think. Um, and so, you know, what I learned from the, the two interpreters who are already here, to come back to your question, um, they are, uh, they've both been here for, for several years now, um, and their waits were, were quite long, you know, three to five years in order to get here. Um, and the waits were really difficult. They were constantly in hiding, constantly moving their families. If anyone figured out like, oh, you're that guy who was helping the military, like they had to change completely where they lived, change their names again um, in order to stay alive. And so, you know, the time that it takes to do this processing is time that people's lives are really in danger. That's why there's a rule that it's supposed to take no more than nine months to process these visas, but obviously that's not what's happening. It's taking years. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about that, but there was a quote in your story from a, a veteran that said, these people should really be evacuated. I mean, is that something the government is considering? Well, that's something I'm hearing a lot from advocates. They're saying, well, you know, we evacuated people after Vietnam, we evacuated people after you know the first Gulf War, we've evacuated people in, in all these different situations. Why can't we do it now? We could you know put them somewhere that is is safe for them to wait while we do the rest of this processing. So the processing still happens, but that we should get them out of Afghanistan before the troops are gone. And I think it's important to note, you know, the the deadline for troops to leave is September. But we're seeing reports that they could actually leave as early as sometime in July, which is very soon. The backlog of special immigrant visas, it's supposed to take my, nine months, but it's, it is taking years, as you've said. Is that being addressed? So there, there are different parts of that backlog. Um, part of it is that there's only a certain number of those visas that have been approved by Congress. Congress just approved another 4,000, I think, in December. So the number has gone up slightly, although it's still not clear whether they've actually approved enough to, to get to everybody who might, might need one or might qualify. Um, and then you have you know, the processing delays at various stages where you have different agencies you know, within the State Department and USCIS all working to, to do different parts of the clearance and the background checks and, and all of these things and, and making sure that all of the information lines up. Um, so all of that takes quite a bit of time. On top of that, um, this is not something that happens automatically. The person has to figure out how to get into this process and has to find who their supervisor was during the time that they worked for uh, the US military and get that supervisor to write a letter explaining you know, what, their, what their service was. And not every supervisor um, is findable. Not every supervisor is willing to do that or, or you know, takes the time to do that. It's, um, sort of up to them. And, I, and I've heard, especially, you know, with some of the, the contractors who would be the supervisors, as opposed to like the military members themselves, like sometimes there's just not that, that will to, um, to take this step to protect this person who, who provided this service. 
And um, there's nothing that says that they have to provide that letter. And so um, there's sometimes a lot of back and forth just in getting that part done to even to be able to submit the initial application. But then once this initial application is submitted with all of these different, different steps and checks with the different agencies, it takes a while. Some of it is because of staffing issues. So there, were, there was an OIG report, an Office of, or Office of the Inspector General report that found that there was severe understaffing in, in this process. Um, the State Department told me that they've added some staffing to try to address that. It's not clear whether they've added enough to actually get through all of these applications in time. Yeah, it sounds like it's a wait and see game at this point, which is unfortunate, but I know there is a protest going on this weekend organized in part by two of the interpreters you spoke to. What can you tell me about that and you know what is their goal. So they're going to be outside of the county building and, and their message really has to do with their um, their ethnic identity they identify as part of the Hazara. Um, ethnic group, which is a minority group in Afghanistan that has faced persecution since like the 1800s at least. Um, and so they're already seeing increased attacks, increased suicide bombings in areas that are our Hazara areas. There was a girls school that was recently bombed that the Hazara girls school. Um, and so they're, they're very concerned, not only for, you know, the interpreters and the other folks who did, did support work for the military, but also for their families and their friends who are Hazara. And they want to see the U.S. also taking steps to protect this, this uh, minority group that has, has faced persecution uh, you know, for centuries. And, um, and so they'll be outside of the county building um, on Saturday in order to, to demonstrate in support of the Hazara people. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. We'll be back Monday.